0: Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and user stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hey, so have you ever thought of dipping your toe inside of the world of being a digital nomad? Now I know that might have a bit of stigma behind it. Because it's not all fun and games having the you know laptop lifestyle, but it is a pretty rewarding lifestyle if you can get it right. And I can imagine there's a lot of mistakes some people would think would fall into uh, you know, just buying into this dream. So I got someone on this podcast today who's gonna really paint the picture of what it's like, what you can expect, what's the best place how to actually get prepared. So when you actually do start this digital nomad lifestyle, you can have fun. It won't be stressful and make the most out. And like how to find these secret communities that travel around the world together and they go to different cities every single month. It is so cool. I did not know this existed and it's something I'm definitely going to be exploring in the future. Um, but if you're interested to know what that is, stick around for this episode. I forgot to get... <laughs> should probably mention who's a guest today. So her name is Kate... Begoy and she runs something called Six Figure Freelancers. So, without further ado, here's my conversation today with Kate. She's a legend. Hey, this is Jules Dan here from Storytelling Secrets. Super pumped you're here with me today. I'm joined by Kate Bagoy from KateBagoy.com. Thanks a lot for joining me today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jules. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you because you're doing. You you started out your journey doing what a lot of people did, which is a, a digital nomad. It's going to 25 different countries, running a business. I've had one person talk about digital nomad, that sort of lifestyle, how they did it. That was a while back. That was almost 100 episodes ago. Oh my but I would like to hear a little bit about your backstory, Kate, how you got to where you are right now and what are you focusing on right now in your business?
1: Sure. Uh, that's a long story, but uh, backstory, I, I started graphic Cloth design notes. in college. Cliff notes, yeah, I studied graphic design in college. Uh, Did that for a while. Then I got my master's in business and started working for startups and I've been working with entrepreneurs in one form or another uh, for the last 10 years. Um, Five years ago, I left my last full-time job to start freelancing as a UX designer and around the same time decided to join Remote Year and start traveling full-time nomadically. Uh, I ended up leaving remote year after six months, but I kept traveling and uh, lived and worked in 25-ish different countries uh, over the course of three and a half years while building a coaching practice. And I launched an online program called Six Figure Freelancers. And what I'm focusing on right now actually is, strangely enough, pivoting my business back to freelance design as my primary method uh, as I grow my course program and, and turn that into a membership.
0: Ooh, Okay. I have so many follow-up questions I want to ask you already. Um, what was your favorite country to work in?
1: To work in?
0: Like the lifestyle of doing a bit of work and then you can go out the night or maybe you explore. And then go play.
1: Yeah. I would say it's a toss up between uh, Barcelona and yep. Spain uh, and Bangkok Thailand. Uh, I think because the culture is so different than the U S and mm. it's just both fascinating cities for different re- reasons. Um, those were my, probably my favorites. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I was going to ask, is, is the digital nomad lifestyle as good as what the people who paint the picture is, but it sounds like it kind of is. Cause you're like, I kind of want to go back to it, but also have that, you know, extra stream of revenue in. So to get rid of that uncertainty, yeah. but, um, what are the ups and downs like of, of, of a digital yeah. nomad
1: it, it, I mean, it is isn't. it isn't, right? It's it, No lifestyle is perfect, and anybody that tells you that is, is trying to sell you something. Yep. Um, what I loved about the lifestyle is that I love to travel, and I am fully inspired by travel, and so that actually makes me a better designer, uh, a happier person, that sort of thing, being in new environments and seeing beautiful cities and all of that. Yep. So that's great, and I love experiencing cultures and learning. But there are a lot of downsides of the digital nomad lifestyle in terms of you're limited to what you can fit in a suitcase at any point in time. So you have to learn how to be a minimalist. And uh, uh, there's a lot of cognitive overhead that people don't tend to talk about. I did a podcast about this like three years ago about like when I was on remote year, we were moving every 30 days. And it was like learning a new language every 30 days. Um, And of course, not learning, but, you know, adopting to that. But it's little things like where do i go to find x where's the local grocery store you have to learn that every 30 days every new city you're in and that actually is a very taxing um and gets exhausting
0: it's an unconscious habit let's go to the store it's like yeah far out stuff yeah. scratch everything
1: little things like we, we we're in lisbon you can't buy uh plastic bags for the trash people just reuse uh, the store-bought plastic bags. Uh, so it was like the first week, all of us were like, well, we're, how do we find trash bags? <laughs> like, it's just these little things that you don't realize are part of a different culture. Uh, and it's fun to learn, but it can be overwhelming. So there's uh, there's always pros and cons.
0: And how often were you moving around?
1: When I was with Remote Year, we were moving every month. That's what Remote Year does. Um, so I had joined them uh, initially for a 12-month itinerary, and I left after six uh, and I kept traveling on my own, but I I stayed longer. So once I left that program, I was doing two to three months on average in a country, yeah. um, up to six months. The last country I did was, uh, I, I was in Mexico City for six months. And then I traveled oh. from there uh, around Mexico.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's not really damn interesting. What What is remote year? Is it like a community that travels together?
1: Know. Yeah. So remote year, um, I, guess, I guess it's, I guess you could describe them as a community. Basically, they put together an itinerary. They say there's there's 12 months. You sign up, and then you agree to show up. You pay your way to the first city, and then they take care of your housing, your travel arrangements, your uh, workspace in every new city. Um, and then you have this community of people that that travels together. So it's pretty cool. It this is. I call dope. it like... Yeah, I call it like training wheels for nomads, uh, and there are a few other great companies that do this. So if anybody's listening, you know, look up uh, Wi-Fi Tribe, look up Hacker's Paradise, uh, look at Outside. Outside's not necessarily a travel itinerary, but they do co-living. So you can go to a city and and rent a room from Outside and then feet, meet fellow travelers, which is a great way to again have like some training wheels if you're new to the nomadic lifestyle and don't want to be alone in a new city.
0: Uh, Yeah, I was gonna say because I think I've always wanted to do, especially after COVID blows over. One of the things I definitely want to do is just go to the Philippines. Like it's super cheap there. You go diving, but the one thing I'm really scared about was I'm gonna lose all my friendship. Basically, not lose, but like don't have that friendship. You don't have someone to talk to when times are shit. Um, Can be pretty tough. But now that I know, I didn't even know these programs existed. Giving me hope
1: there is and you know even if you go to a country like say the philippines where maybe the these these companies aren't operating a lot of times you can tap into nomadic communities through through facebook or whatsapp there's a a website called nomad list Mm -hmm. um that peter runs it's really great for connecting with other nomads and seeing what's going on in those cities and so you can find your own community Uh, but it is a lot of um extroverts in particular struggle with the nomadic lifestyle just for that reason, or they're, they're scared to start for that reason. I'm an introvert, so not so much an intro issue.
0: I'm a bit of both, to be honest. Yes. It's, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's tough. Okay. So let's sort of talk about, cause you're on the road. You, were you building the business or were you just sort of one client hand to mouth, you know, just getting by to enjoy the experience or how oh. did that all work? <laughs>
1: It was, I mean, I was fortunate that as an experienced UX designer, I was able to pick up like some web design and and freelance clients as I started my coaching practice. Um, But it was a lot of hustling and, and doing, figuring out online marketing. How do I connect with people when I'm not necessarily in, uh, in the location of my clients, that sort of thing, learning how to brand yourself online and do social media and all of that. Um, And it was like hit or miss. Like the first year that I was out there traveling was really challenging. I I always tell people if like, if your goal is to do this nomadic lifestyle and start a business, don't do it at the same time. Start the business first, build the foundation. It is. It's really stressful. There's nothing like being dirt broke in Bangkok. (laughs) (laughs) Bangkok is a very affordable city to live in if you're with us dollars. Mm. Uh, But if you're broke in Bangkok, it's pretty depressing.
0: I was going to say, um, I think the wise, everyone's pitching this four-hour work week, but the wise decision is you need to create your own foundation first, build a list, build something like a lead generation system outside of just referrals. So you're not coasting on that. Um, Maybe if you're doing a podcast, have it really batched out. So you're not reliant on, I need a quiet room where I'm not recording week by week, or you've got, I don't know what it is, but How would you, how, what did you learn to, to make it easy, so to speak? So, so you didn't have this stress of, oh my God, I need clients. Oh my God, I need to record content. Oh my God. And it's just, you don't have those resources.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that building a business and traveling the world at the same time is ever yeah. easy, unless you've built a really strong foundation. Um, I certainly traveled with people that were further along with their businesses, and it was much easier for them. And you made some great points. Batching, I learned. Um, I learned so much during this this travel lifestyle, but in, in particular, I learned like how to really prioritize what what is the twenty percent of activities that's going to get me closer to where I need to be. And do those first and let the rest go. I learned to let go of the FOMO, particularly around the travel stuff. Like the first couple of months I was with Remote Year, I did yeah. every possible activity, everything I was invited to. And I was just close to just destroying myself energetically trying to do that and trying to build a business.
0: Trying to be a tourist to let and go of that. at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I learned to like streamline that down. And when I was heading for a new country, I would make a list of three things that were non-negotiable experiences for me in a country. And as long as I did those, I consider that a win for the month. And then the rest was like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Um, And I, I got that out of a Tim Ferriss book. It was not his quote, but I got that from a different Tim Ferriss book.
0: Oh, the Tools of Titans book. Is I think it,
1: it was out of Tools of the Titans. And I, I don't remember who whose tip that was, but yeah. uh, it changed my life to be able to look at things and be like, you know, if there was any hesitation of like, yeah, that sounds fun, but it's just a no.
0: Yeah. I really like how you said you need to prioritize one, activities, and then two, work that needs to get done ahead of time so that you're organized. From your experience, what do you think that base, that foundation looks like in terms of business? Like if, if you're in this position, you've got this asset, you've got this much, I don't know, revenue coming in. What do you think would be comfortable for someone to think like, okay, I could do this and not be the road? stressed?
1: Yeah, um, I would recommend that before you look at making a massive life change, like traveling nomadically, uh, that you've got some sort of lead generation system in place that is working pretty consistently, uh, that you've built some habits around how you look, particularly if you're friendly and saying how you're, you know, um, chunking your work you know on mondays i do copy on tuesdays i do marketing whatever like you need to start building in those systems and habits of course they're going to change as you get on the road but building in those routines The number one thing is the the client getting though. And it needs to be a system that works online. So if Mm. currently you're doing design or copywriting, but you're getting clients by going and networking locally, that is not going to work for you if you're on the other side of the world. So start finding other solutions.
0: Yeah. And what was your favorite go-to lead gen system?
1: Uh, A combination of cold uh, email and LinkedIn. LinkedIn marketing did exceptionally well. I've, I've since kind of stopped doing it. It's gotten a little spammy and and a lot of more people are doing it and, and getting spammier and spammier. So I've taken a pause from that, but just connecting with people and starting conversations on LinkedIn, um, that can be incredibly powerful if you're good at what you're doing.
0: Yeah. I, I've, i found, so are you saying that, um, you don't want to be part of the noise or are you just sort of stepping back until, I don't know the dust sort of settles on the, I think it's going to settle I think it's getting even noisier to be honest
1: It's more that I don't want to be a part of the noise I particularly this year I covid's changed everything in my life personally I had covid and even prior to that I had and relocated to help my family and like really been a great opportunity to rethink how I'm running my business how I'm mm. doing things and realizing that I had gotten so sucked up in the marketing I have to market constantly and do all of these things that I no longer want to operate that way. So I'm going back to where I started, which is where I want to be more authentic marketing and connections. And so I probably will get back to uh, connecting with people on LinkedIn, but not doing the automated spammy messages.
0: Like churn volume. You just let me be picky with who I want to connect with. And then really double down on, I don't know, like three to five people a week. I I don't know what that number is, but something along those lines.
1: I'm not sure yet, because like I said, I'm kind of in the business uh, right now, pivoting my business. I think for six-figure freelancers, probably what we'll do on LinkedIn is focus more on partner generation. So looking at people that are in similar businesses where we can go in and teach their audiences uh, and then invite them to join six-figure freelancers rather than individual reach out on LinkedIn, which is what Uh... I was doing as as a business coach, was reaching out to founders and small business owners. And it was effective, but it's something that was effective at scale.
0: Yeah. So, so let me get you straight. So your strategy is right now, first, you've got your freelance business, which, um, we haven't really quite ha- covered how you get those clients, but the other revenue stream that you were talking about was your course, which is Ooh. the way you were gonna facilitate that was to basically JV with other people who could help feed that. And then obviously you would help them. And I don't know if there's a revenue share or, 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 or audience share, but, um, it depends on the
1: situation. A... Yeah, that's most likely going to be our primary strategy: is, is borrowing other people's audiences, right? Adding value for other people. We obviously we have an online funnel, and there will probably be some ads in our future as well. Once uh, I get everything moved over to the new portal, um, but I don't. I'm not into the whole click funnels, bro marketing techniques anymore. What, like, uh, what, what does
0: that mean, bro? Market? Like, I'm just pretending I'm five years old.
1: The bro marketing is kind of the you're one funnel away from a million dollars and trying to use sleazy techniques in order to convince people to buy right now. Some of them are really effective. Like we love, you know, I love direct response copywriting, but a lot of times it gets really almost shaming people into taking action, particularly really? in the coaching community. They don't yeah. use
0: hope. Is, is it they use guilt instead of hope? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, in the bro marketing in particular. It's all about guilt. It's all about shame. You're not good enough and you really need this. You've got to have a coach. Like well, I, I've a been, i I've heard a so many, Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard horror stories. I get people that come to me that um get kind of sucked up into that, enroll in some really high-end program with a coach, pay five, ten, even I had a client pay fifty thousand dollars to work with a coach. And then they come to me and go, I didn't actually do anything in this program. I didn't learn anything i didn't get a single client i don't have a brand i still don't know what the hell i'm doing that's terrible it's just shady and i don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that anymore
0: well at least hey I'm, I'm part of the good ones right so i always preach about yeah. hope in my stories guilt good. you need you need to twist the knife a little bit okay that, that there is you need do need to bring up the pain you brought up a good point but if that's your core theme behind every email making the person feel bad yeah i don't know like i yeah. don't think that's the good way to go but it really no, I totally to... agree. So so I want to step back a little bit because you said you are working. Mm-hmm. Um you're how come you wanted to move more towards freelancing? You, you, your pendulum shifted to, towards one-on-one work again. Is that is that right?
1: It is. Uh at least for my primary income method. I mean, really what it comes down to is that what I've been doing for the last couple of years is branching myself between private coaching and six-figure freelancers, and neither yeah. is getting my full attention. And I really want to grow six-figure freelancers as a business, but it's gonna take me a little while to get to the revenue I need to support myself. Uh, and design is easy for me. It is something I do constantly, regardless of whether, whether I'm getting paid for it or if I'm just doing it as part of my business or I'm consulting with my clients and sure. helping them fix that. So I'm just taking the easy path and picking up some freelance contracts right now uh, that are going to support me as we kind of pivot into a new brand and a new way yep. of doing business.
0: That's really smart. So for the listeners here, uh, Kate is... Doing the one-on-one work, the, the the high revenue activities to build an asset that is take yep. that's not time for dollars. It's a one-to-many Correct. approach, and um, it's a long-term sort of strategy. Does that mean you just eventually, when you do pivot, it will be less and less or none at all freelancing, or still a little bit just to keep?
1: Eventually, starting? yeah. I mean, eventually the goal is six-figure freelancers is kind of my retirement plan. Um, I will. I will probably work until the day I die because I'm that type of person. I am an achiever personality and I would get so bored if like I tried to retire to the beach. Right. Um, But yeah, the, the goal is to create enough passive income that I choose I work because I choose to and not because I have to. And Six Figure Freelancers is the scalable model. And it's a great program. It's it's a foundational business program. I'm really proud of it. And people get results when they do the work. Yeah. So growing that and then building community, because what I've realized over the last couple of years, my one-on-one clients get amazing results. But- growing a business starting a business growing a business is lonely it's challenging it can be overwhelming and having a community of other people that are going through that same thing to share struggles to connect with and just have a coffee and say it's going to be okay take a breath can be really powerful and i so i want to do that and this is going to be one a, a fun challenge for me as a business owner and as an introvert because that's not my natural state is not building community. It's connecting with people on one-on-one. So I'm going to have to learn how to do that and bring in help. That's and just,
0: good. Okay. So just out of curiosity, when you're saying build a community, does that mean mm-hmm. obviously building your list and frequently communicating them, but also having a place to congregate, I don't know, like a Facebook group or whatever? Yeah, what we're doing a do private...
1: Yeah, we're doing a private community that will be within our learning portal. So you'll the my my clients will have access to the trainings as well as a private community. Think of it as a Facebook group, except we're leaving Facebook, because I hate Facebook. Um, yeah, you're, so, not leaving,
0: you're not leaving reach to to the Facebook gods. You actually control no. it.
1: We had a Facebook group for six figure so freelancers when we started. Um I shut it down about a a couple of months ago. I finally completely archived it. Like I had stopped really pushing people to go in there. uh, And now I've archived it completely. I am personally trying to leave Facebook. It's probably going to take me years uh, because I use Facebook login for so many things. But
0: why why, why did you log? Why did you archive the group? If you don't mind me asking.
1: uh, Because I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. And because even in Facebook, I wasn't even getting notifications from my clients that they were posting and so I have to manually go in and check it. We were having all kinds of issues. Right. Uh, and, and I don't want to be on Facebook. I don't want to run a community. And and this is ultimately my business. This is a lifestyle business for me. Uh, and so I choose to let go of things that I don't want in my business.
0: So it's part of it. You want to control, you don't want to build your business on someone else's land. and. Is that, is That's that one certainly a
1: factor? That's certainly a factor, but it's more like, have you seen the social dilemma or heard about the oh, social dilemma?
0: Okay, so we're on the same page. Yeah, I'm with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I just with want you. out of that.
0: I, I think it's <laughs> so effing divisive the way
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: it pulls people apart. And it's really Perfect. sad. Yeah, I'm not sure about you, but I don't really participate in social media other than networking. That's about Thanks. it.
1: Same here, um, and so that's not—that's uh, why we decided to leave Facebook and, and try to find a private solution that's not going to track people's preferences or conversations, and uh, it's also something that we would own in terms of you know the business. We own that community, and we have control over it, and and better uh, possibility for managing that and, and regulating posts and all of that. So there are a lot right. of factors that come into it. Um, but really at the end of the day it comes down to i think facebook is toxic i do not want to spend time on that platform and therefore i can't then push my clients to spend the time on that platform to build a community
0: yeah and i guess i guess i, I agree with you there it is there is to- toxic but there is also potential for good if you just sort Absolutely. of if you block out <laughs> if you block out the negativity <laughs> and uh no. you use it to for good like we said networking or maybe you can drop into groups yeah. and Build a relationship with that group, and then yeah. take those people out into your land and take them. You know,
1: Absolutely, and them I've away had amazing experiences thanks to Facebook. I've met people online, uh, in Facebook groups, or or through Facebook, and and it's been great. But as a whole, it's yeah. just that's something that I want to let go of in my life, and that's something I have practiced in the last five to ten years of my life is learning what is suiting me and what isn't, um, and how to let go of things that even if sometimes amazing things happen there. It's yeah. not a hell yes for me. I don't and want to be to attached thing. to my phone.
0: Yeah. Well, curious to know, will you be using Facebook ads or YouTube ads? No,
1: I was actually banned from Facebook ads. Okay. <laughs> Never do a Facebook what? ad again, uh, which is fine because like I said, I don't want to want to do that anywhere. Uh, we will probably do, uh, continue using some search ads. We, that's primarily where our ad spend been the last, Uh, 12 months or so it's just done Mm -hmm. on pay-per-click um and then some pinterest ads those perform really well for getting people to our articles and into uh the ebook sale and then youtube is on the potential front we we've dabbled uh i haven't figured that out yet
0: okay yeah i actually wrote a script we we had to launch it we wrote a script for a client um selling a this this chamber but like (laughs) going like have you ever a hyperbaric oxygen chamber
1: yeah i have
0: yeah so we're selling a hyper that's the only time i've sold a product for someone but um the way the youtube the way i've I've been hearing it is just um yeah next way to to really create that one-on-one conversation with that customer um especially if you if you're selling on a call are you guys selling it like a course or is it on a call and then
1: We're moving to an evergreen course model. So I was previously doing everything by phone. I even for a while had a sales team and all of that. Uh, I'm moving away from that. Again, it's just not the business that I want to run. And for anybody that's listening, like my whole thing is about lifestyle. I started this business to create freedom for myself, to help other people because I'm passionate about it. And I happen to be a really excellent teacher who's good at both design and business. I don't want to be the next Tony Robbins or Marie Forleo. I business. have no interest in being famous except to a handful of people who want my help. Oh, uh, you exactly know. My... Yeah. I <laughs> don't want all that. So it's all about finding the solutions that are authentic to me and my brand and my lifestyle yep. that also serve my clients.
0: Yeah. And, and so what you're saying is that obviously you want to reduce all the stress, make it simple, have a course, but yeah. have that make a really good course by having that accountability and support, like you said by having yeah. that community where they get the best of get the boost of both worlds and um
1: exactly
0: you, you serve each other's needs, mm-hmm. they need that friendship accountability community, and you you yeah. don't have to worry about keep closing deals all the time like it's it's on
1: and it's really cool you know I started doing mastermind calls. I guess about two years ago. And so I was, it was a modified version of six hundred freelancers where Mm -hmm. they got the course, but then we had um, every two weeks, we do a group call for six months uh, at at a high-end mastermind what's been really neat about it is that a bunch of those people have gone on to collaborate with each other and I, and I get to see that and witness it. And that's super cool.
0: Pretty rewarding, Uh, right? I imagine.
1: Yeah, it's really neat. And I have one client that she'll text me and be like, oh, I was talking to X and X, you know, about another client that had met this way. And it's just, it's neat to be that kind of hinge to connect people.
0: Yeah. You're the facilitator. And then everyone's like, (laughs) we love you. You're you're absolutely awesome. when business exploded because of this relationship you're like ah oh, i love that ripple effect that's I did too. eventually that's what i want to do however i love to do a newsletter rather than a uh, a course and then have that community on the back end but how many years have you been, have you been freelancing for
1: uh as well i haven't worked a full-time job since 20, 2016 so it's been five oh, and a half years. years but that's partly freelance design and that's partly coaching yeah. uh technically you could say i've been freelancing for close to 20 years because i've done it in between jobs and little bits and pieces while in, yeah. i was in college so yeah
0: yeah so the point i was trying to make is that uh if everyone's listening you know kate has had a few years under her belt a f- few more experience yeah. she's she's had the wins had the losses made the mistakes um oh, yeah. knows, all, knows all the pitfalls <laughs> And now she's trying to create that community rather. I feel like there's a lot of people like make passive income and like start create a course. And it's like,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, you're missing step one. And that's like experience with clients.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, and I, I do tend to recommend. So in my private coaching programs, I often work with coaches and A lot of them come in and say, I'm just going to jump straight into the membership or course community. It's like, oh, slow your roll. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's take a step back, at least work with one or two private clients or a small group before you do that, because you learn so much by working with people. Um, And. Also, it takes time for courses in community typically to take off. Of course, there's outliers and they're they're going to be on Instagram telling you how they made a million dollars in in two months after launching their course, but they are outliers. It is very, very rare for that to happen when people initially launch.
0: Exactly. And one of the greatest skills you'll ever learn is client management.
1: (laughs) Oh, God, yeah.
0: I'm sure you can relate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes, uh, all right. We had some really good fun here, Kate. I want to ask you a few personal questions. That's all right. I think we've already answered what? some of them, but you know, what's your key focus in the next six to 12 months? What's your vision for your, for your business?
1: My key focus is to get our new portal designed. I'm designing it and then I have a team that's going to build that, uh, get that design and built and then uh, start scaling that program once that's all launched. Uh, so that's from a business standpoint. Uh, in the short term, my key focus is, is taking on a design contract. So I'm in the process of uh, kind of getting back into what does this look like? Doing design again full time.
0: Nice. Are you creating that design portal? I am. Oh, Nice. Okay, cool. Now, what's the thing that's going to be that little obstacle, that thing that you're afraid of maybe that you know you need to focus on in order to achieve your vision?
1: Well, There are a few. I I think the top two are I need to become better at delegating. And uh, believe it or not, that was actually part of my decision to go back into a full time contract temporarily is like it's going to force me to have to focus on getting help. Um, I am an overachiever, and I need to overwork myself. And I have to get better at outsourcing and letting people help me. Uh, And then number two is, like I said, I am really an introverted person. So finding uh, help or, or growing into running a community. Cause I do think the community is so important for my clients, but it's not my natural state.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like that the first part you said, it's really hard when you're doing the, the freelancer doing, it I'm um, c I want to control everything. So it's right. Is that, yeah. is that, was that part of that little, that little thing you get over?
1: It's part of it. It's also part of the, it, it's, um, I have an unusual career and I spent most of my career working in startups and wearing every single hat. And so Mm -hmm. I learned how to do a lot of things. And so it's just kind of natural habitat habit for me to go and do all of the things myself. And I have to stop that in order to be an effective business owner. I have to focus on what I am absolutely best at and start outsourcing. Like it's, it's been a real challenge for me. I have a team right now who's actually uh, helping me design my homepage. And so I just, all I did was do wireframes of like what I want on the page and I'm letting them do the design. I'm a designer. It is hard as a designer to yeah. give somebody else and say, do the design for me.
0: Mm, totally. I, I don't think I could ever say to anyone, I want you to write my emails for me. That that would never happen.
1: Right? It's really challenging, but that this is what happen. I have to do. If my time is limited in the short term, it's going to force me to focus and, mm. and figure out what needs to be outsourced or what can yeah. be outsourced.
0: But that's the thing. Like, If it's 80% good enough, then it will it, it, it will just have to do if it means it frees up your time to focus on the stuff that moves you forward i guess that's the hard part because we do want it to make it really really good but um
1: it's know, never it's- perfect and we have to launch before we're ready and we have to look at everything as a learning and iterative process that's a lot of what i teach uh, a lot of what i teach is not necessarily like you know how to do x y and d perfectly it's How to move through that fear, that uncertainty, that uh, self-doubt or imposter syndrome to take the next step, because that's what really happens with business owners. Nine times out of 10, when somebody fails early on in their business, it's all in this mindset thing. I was scared, so I didn't do the thing I needed to do. I was doing too many things by myself and not allowing other people to help me. So I collapsed under my own weight. You know, we have to learn how to be iterative and launch before we're ready.
0: Launched before already. It's a great message. And hey, I have a great book. I know you've probably got a ton of book suggestions from your friends and stuff. But for that second thing, like you mentioned, it'd be hard to step into that extroverted role. Book I found helpful is called The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman.
1: I've heard of that one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've used that to help. Like I said, I'm a bit of an introvert extrovert. So going to networking Mm -hmm. events isn't exactly fun, but learn to sort of step into that person that enjoys it i don't know i thought it might be helpful for you
1: i appreciate that you know that's actually been on my rating list for a while um and i'm familiar with that because i use alter egos uh with my clients uh but yeah that's a great tip oh love
0: cool! It. all right all right i'm not, i'm not the one talking here though it's all about uk i love if you could tell uh, my audience where they can find you if, if they want to if um if you got that event coming up or if they want to work with you you got the floor to talk
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can visit KateMcGoy.com to find out whatever I'm up to. We're in the middle of a little pivot, but I've got tons of articles on the blog and uh, options for freebies. Or if you're interested in working with me in Six Figure Freelancers, just go to freelancers.com. And I am at Kate on all of the socials, but I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Give it, Give us a bit of a pitch at uh, Six Figure Freelancers. What, what, sure. what do they get out of that?
1: So 6-figure freelancers is basically a uh, a foundational brand and business coaching program for new freelancers and consultants. So if you're offering a service in exchange for money, Mm -hmm. and you are overwhelmed by all of the things you need to do to get started, Uh, I will guide you through first starting to think like a business owner instead of an employee. And we will work on your mindset. We will create a business plan, a marketing plan, a brand strategy. And throughout the course of the program, you'll, you'll create your brand and land your first client.
0: Nice. Perfect. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me, Jules.
0: Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guest's freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets... I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful on top of that. If you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.